Another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes back in the NCAA tournament after a two-year hiatus. They open up with Cincinnati fresh off. Well, Biz, a win in the Big Ten tournament for the second straight year. I guess uh, us trying to exercise the demons, that's all it was able to do is beat the Illini. Yeah, well, in those two games, you know, I think, Pretty much sums up uh, this team in general, Trent. When they shoot the basketball well, they are a fun team to watch and uh, really looked good against Illinois. And then the Michigan game, I actually thought the whole first half, we played a pretty good half for about 18 minutes. But when you can't put the ball in the hoop at all, it's hard to uh, it's hard to keep up when, you're, when defense is not a priority. And as we've talked about many, many times in the past, defense is, is never going to be our, our priority. And so... When you can't shoot, you're not going to keep up. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, once it uh, fell apart, it really fell apart, and it was ugly. But you know, you go from shooting what lights out 60% against Illinois to 0 for whatever against Michigan. You, you know, you're not going to beat Michigan if you don't shoot the ball well. And it's it's pretty simple with this team. If you can't put the ball in the hoop from the outside, uh, we're not going to win games. No, not at all. And and Garza and Cook kind of did their thing. The game plan was very similar. To the game in Carver Hawkeye, they're going to pound it inside, maybe try to find a way to get Teske in foul trouble. But like you said, when nobody makes a shot, you can keep pounding it inside, but it's very difficult to keep up against a team like Michigan that is efficient offensively, as good as they've been defensively. They're just an ugly night all around. The hope is that they got all those ugly shots out of their system, and they're going to come out guns a-blazing Friday morning, 11.15 Central Time, 12.15 Eastern, as they take on Cincinnati to open up the NCAA tournament. Well, the, the NCAA uh, committee certainly didn't do us any favors. Uh, from from just watching Cincinnati play earlier that day against Houston, they certainly looked better than a seven seed, and uh, they conveniently get to play in their home state. So, you know, unfortunately, we can't. We're not in a position to complain because when you play as poorly as we did uh, down the stretch, I guess we should just be happy to be. Uh, in the dance at all, but uh, not a great matchup for the Hawks, at least on paper. Doesn't feel that way, and we'll uh, dig a little bit deeper in here overall. This team, it's been a frustrating year. Uh, it's been a weird year. Biz, you've watched this team going on oh, 30-some-odd years. I'm in the same boat a couple years back behind you, but I mean, I can remember, really, my first memories are the last year of George Raveling and from here. This has been such a crazy season. There was you know, Chris Street and what happened there and the tragedy, but from suspensions to play uh, of play-by-play announcers to coaches to a great start, falling apart again, it's just on and on and on. Just an odd Iowa basketball season overall. Yeah, it's had kind of a, a soap opera feel to it. It's been, you know, rarely a week or two has gone by without there being a, uh, an interesting plot twist, which I guess is good for uh, for you and I when it comes to being able to chat about the Hawks, but I don't think it's good for uh, the overall stability of our program. And I think you saw that down the stretch. I mean, when you're talking about 19 and 20, 21-year-old 20, kids, you know, I think some of that stuff 
more on them as the year went on. And, and, you know, they eventually made the decision to stay off social media and whether that'll help long-term or not, I guess we'll find out this week. But, uh, you know, you don't, you don't make the decision to get off social media if some of those things weren't bugging you. So, yeah, it's, it's been a soap opera of the year. And unfortunately the due to, you know, no fault of their own, the players kind of got caught up in it and, you know, the crosshairs of our, uh, feisty coach and our, uh, our announcer who unfortunately couldn't keep himself out of the news for uh, whether it was the right reasons or not. But an interesting season, I guess, to say the least. You know, as you go through here, and one thing that has happened quite a bit now has been these fades down the stretch. Plenty of theories that you can throw behind it. I don't think anything is singularly the issue. The way the way the Fran coaches on the sidelines as opposed to what he sounds like in practice. And in practice, from all accounts, he's... For a college basketball coach, he's not over the top. He's not throwing chairs at people. He's not chucking basketballs at guys' face like Mike Rice. But this team continually to collapse. They play a bunch of guys or they have a short rotation. It doesn't The only thing that has been the one constant through all of this has been Fran McCaffrey and the rest of his staff. Do you have any theory at all about the reason for this? It, it has to come back to Fran in some light, but what that could possibly be. You know, I think a lot of it goes back to just not being a defensive-oriented team because, you know, these fades, a lot of times you're seeing teams the second time around, you know, it's the, the grind of a now 20-game Big Ten schedule, you know, people have scouting reports on us and, and, you know, they know what to expect from Fran's teams. And, you know, if you can't fall back on defense, you're, you rely entirely on whether you shoot the ball well or not. And, not rocket science to realize that you know 25 30 games into the year you're going to have some tired legs and probably aren't going to shoot as well as you uh as you did early in the year and you know you, you go back and look at all those fades we talked about it uh, the big 10 tournament and everything we've just shot the ball like crap down the stretch and you know that's whether it's you know exhausting from too much work in practice or it's just teams figuring this out with game planning you know when you can't fall back on defense you're going to have struggles down the stretch because you know, late in the year teams teams got you scouted. You're not going to trick anybody with your uh, your game plans in, in games 15 through 20 of the Big Ten season. You know, and disappointed certainly with that and what we've seen out of this team shooting the basketball, looking like tired legs, and on the defensive end. They made improvements this year, no doubt, from what they were a year ago. It's almost impossible to go anywhere but up from what they were last season where they were 242nd in the country in defensive efficiency, up to 116 this year. That's an improvement, but still not where you need to be as a Big Ten team. I mean, just in the Big Ten alone, the second-worst team, the 13th-worst, uh, 13th-ranked team in defensive efficiency was Illinois, who was at 108th. And then to go up another step, you got to go to 57th in the country. That's where you get to Nebraska. I mean, this team needs to find a way to be better. And even with the limitations that they have, and they were – Pretty good the last couple of years with the Anthony Clements and Mike Gassell working that defense with Woodbury in the middle. But those are all certainly plus defenders. You can't just hope that, hey, let's hope that we can put three senior starters together that are good defenders. That's not a way to sustain a team defensively. It's not, but I still fall back on the fact that there are plenty of teams out there that aren't exactly uh, blessed athletically 
that are still really good defensively. You know, Virginia is obviously the the gold standard for that. But you look at you and I, year in and year out, you and I put a good defensive team on the court. Um, they have the offensive deficiencies, obviously, but you know, it, to me, it just falls back on you know what what's your focus in practice and. Sounds like this year we focused a little more on the defensive end than we had in years past, but it's still, like you said, it's still a deficiency. And unless it becomes a, a focus from from practice one, it's probably always going to be a deficiency. So, but let's let's look uh, let let's focus on the positive here, Trent. I think you, me, and everybody else um, that we know, if we just said at the start of the year that this team was going to be uh, playing in the NCAA tournament, we'd have been giddy about it. Yep. So it's it's. It's easy to focus on the last three weeks and the soap opera that's come up over the last month, but uh, big picture is this team did more than, than probably 95% of the fan base uh, expected coming in, and, and they've got a chance to uh, do some damage this week. They're capable of beating Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a good but not great team, and you know of the two seeds, Tennessee's probably a team that we match up you know, probably as, as good as any of the two seeds, so... Let's put together a good weekend and make some shots and see what happens. Well, and you bring up a couple of good points here. Cincinnati, though, they look good over the weekend. This is not Cincinnati playing in the Big East, and the American Athletic Conference is okay. But it's just that. It's okay. This is not a, a well-defined team, and you would figure a step up in competition. I think it's going to go a long way how this game is officiated. If it is allowed to play a physical brand and – they can clutch and grab. I was going to be in trouble, but if Iowa can do what they did most of the beginning of the season and get to the free throw line effectively and and get there and then convert on them, and they're allowed to actually run their offense, and Mick Cronin's a good coach, but it's not like the schematics that you see over the course of a Big Ten schedule. Iowa does have a shot here. I, I don't love their chances as it pertains to my wallet and my gambling, but they have a shot here. And the Cincinnati team, outside of Cumberland, who's a really nice player, can shoot it, can get to the rim, he's long, that's going to be difficult here. This is not nearly as good a Cincinnati team on the defensive end than what they normally are. It is a winnable matchup. And you had said before the year, like you said, you get a 10 seed, you're in the tournament, and you got a chance. I would have signed on that dotted line every single time. Well, and the most important thing to me, Trent, is while in Chicago, we got to see the confident Tyler Cook again. I mean, yeah. Yeah. he looked like the guy that we had, grown accustomed to and the only way I see this team making a a run or having a chance to get to a sweet 16 is he's got to be a beast and fortunately it certainly seemed like he got his swagger back in Chicago and you know by all by all indications this is his one and only time he's going to be in the NCAA tournament I think we both probably agree he's he's not coming back next year so uh I I think he'll go out swinging. I think we'll see the best of him this weekend, and when we see the best of Tyler Cook, we're, we're obviously a different team. So uh, I, I agree with you. I don't like the matchup. I, I think we're probably in trouble, but uh, it certainly wouldn't shock me if we win. And, again, it comes down to just make shots. If you can shoot 40% from the perimeter and you know open things up inside, you, you never know. Well, you had, as you were on vacation, sunning and funning in Arizona – not quite as good as Buck in Hawaii, but you were doing okay out there. You you got a nice pink cue as you come back to Iowa now. Yeah, I did. I got on the golf course once. Oh. And, uh, I I think I had uh, had four birdies in eighteen holes and still uh, barely broke. I shot a seventy nine with four birdies, so that tells you how uh, how inconsistent I was. It nice was humble brag. Nice really humble brag. Really good or really really bad, no in between. 
and he won't even join me for my golf tournament. Unbelievable. Well, you got to reschedule it. You got to find the dates that work for me, Trent. And well, you got another vacation coming up that week. It's unbelievable. I guy's got more vacation. This is incredible. Well, I'm, I'm back and working hard today. You know who doesn't get vacations, Trent? Me. That boy. Oh, it's that boy. We put, we put Stat Boy on the job and uh, figured let's celebrate the NCAA tourney. So you're ready to uh, you're ready to do an Iowa-based NCAA tourney that Stat or, or, or Iowa-based NCAA quiz that Stat Boy came up with. I got ten questions. I think you can get at least half of them right. At least half of them. Okay, we'll see how deep we're digging into, but I th- I think I'm ready to go. All right. All right. We'll start with what's we'll on. I think the softball for you, Trent. Uh, which region has Iowa been assigned to the most in NCAA tournaments? Which region? I would say the East. For whatever reason, the East seems to jump right to my head, usually playing Duke. Oh, Trent, you're already 0 for 1. I thought for sure. There was a stretch where we were in the West region like every year. So the West is the, is the, the correct West. answer. The right. 80s and 90s, we went, we went West constantly. So uh, the answer is the West. We've, we've been sent out West more than any other region. So. One that I thought was going to be a softball, and you, and you swing and miss. So not a good sign for things to come. I, I guess I had memories of Duke and Kentucky and Wake Forest. I, I guess that clouded it. All right, 0 for 1. Well, I'm in trouble. And you're correct. You're correct. We played teams in the East Coast, but these are back in the days when uh, yeah. the NCAA committee didn't, didn't give a damn where they sent people. They would they would send all those teams. You know, we played Kentucky out in like San Jose, California, and stuff like that. They, didn't, they weren't real friendly to the higher seeds back then, so. All right, 0 for 1. 0 for 1. Uh-oh. Number two, Trent. So which seed have the Hawkeyes been the most? There's been one seed that we've been five times. I'll give you a hint. We've been this seed five times, and we won at least one game all five times. So which seed would that be that we've won? We've been it five times, and we've won at least one game each each of the five times we've been assigned as seed number. I want to say five, but I don't think that's right. It oh. is seven. The seven oh. seed. Ooh. So back in 82-83, we won two games as the seven seed. 90-91, we won one. Uh, the 2000-2001 team, we won. The 14-15 and the 15-16 ah, back-to-back yes. years, we won uh, against uh, Davidson and against Temple. We were the seven seed. So uh, good success as the seven seed, but Question number three, Trent, will flip the equation. We are the 10 seed this year. We've only been the 10 seed one other time in turning history. Two-part question for you, or I guess the two-part question, did we win or lose the game? And second part, who did we play when we were the 10 seed? Oh, I know this one. We played well, Jason Maxiel and Nick Lachey in the Cincinnati Bearcats in 2005, the year that they shouldn't have been an NCAA tournament team, but a nice gift wrap package for Steve Alford and more importantly, Bob Bowlesby, who was a part of the committee that year, shouldn't have been in. Alford should have been fired after that season, and we would have got a good coach for the senior year for Bruner and Huluskin Company. How do you really feel, Trent? Oh, did I go on a tirade yeah. there? I blacked out for a moment. Yeah. Uh, your, your, your rant aside, your answer is correct, yes. The only other time we've been to 10 seed, not a good omen because we lost to the Cincinnati Bearcats. And uh, you break down the uh, stat sheet a little bit, not pretty. We shot 33%. Uh, 29% from three-point range. Bruner did put up 20, but the aforementioned Jason Maxiel uh, put up 22, and the Bearcats cruised to a 76-64 win. So uh, we, we've got some payback as the 10 seed. So uh, let, let's, let's even the series up against the Bearcats uh, on Friday. So All right. You're one and two. You're, you're working the 
you're working your way back to respectability. I'm coming through the backside of the bracket. All right, here we go. Question four. Question four. It's a simple one. It's, it's a uh, above or below is your answer here. Overall record in NCAA tournaments is Iowa above or below fifty percent winning percentage? I would say above. A lot of uh, success back in the day. I'm going to go above. You are correct. Twenty nine yes. and twenty seven all time. So slightly above. So even if we lose on Friday, we'll still be above. But uh, a win or two could uh, put us safely above the fifty percent. Uh, Mark going forward. So you're, you're back to 500. So two and two, working to question number five, the halfway point. How many times in the NCAA tournament have the Hawks lost to the eventual champion? Oh, boy, a bunch. There's the Duke ones in there. There's Villanova recently. Oh, what else? Uh, well, the There's year UConn, Dr. Tom's last year, UConn. I would Man. say, am I supposed to give you a number? Yeah, give me a, well, you, how many have you, you, you come up with? How many so far? I think I've come up with four, right? Yeah. And I think there's one. Well, yeah, national championship game against Sanford. Five. Five times. Uh, you are, well, I think you are correct, but I think you may have uh, you may have outstat Boyd Stapleton. He has four times, but he also, in a caveat, I believe he only went back to the 70s. So, but I believe your San Francisco response is correct. That boy will have to do an addendum to this because his answer to me was four, which is Duke twice, UConn, and Villanova. But uh, I think his, I think your San Francisco is correct. So either way, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you four in modern times and five back in the day. So uh, you're three and two either way. But again, that boy will have to get on the. Uh, Get back on the, on the research and uh, find out if there's an addendum to that answer. That'll be good. All right. I'm excited for that. All right. What else we got here? All right. This is the last of the team ones that we'll get some individual. Number six. How, we're at 10 seeds, so obviously a lower seed. Mm-hmm. Over the years, how many times have we won as a lower seed? I'll give you a multiple choice. Have we okay. won four, six, eight, or ten times? How many times is a lower seed? I'm saying eight. You're incorrect. Six times. We have, six times. They have a total, total of six wins as a lower seed, and uh, it, it hasn't been uh, pretty tough recently. So uh, we're, we're due to win as a lower seed. Most times in, in the past 20, 25 years, uh, we've won when we're supposed to and uh, then got knocked out pretty quickly once we've played against a, a higher-seeded squad. Well, in the final four year, they were a five seed, I want to say, that year. So they had to get... If the seeding played out, they had to get three upsets there to uh, to get to the Final Four. That may be correct. I, I, I didn't look at the break. Uh, Statboy sent me the breakdown of the six, but I'll be honest. By the time I got to there, I was glazed <laughs> over with all this research. What else has Boy got for us? Okay, three and three, so the team competition. Let's get into some individual ones for the last four questions. Uh-huh. So, number seven, who, which Hawkeye has played the most NCAA games as an individual. I'll give you the answer. The answer is 12 games. There's one individual that's played 12 games in the NCAA tournament, and the hint is he's still very involved with the program. Bobby Hansen. Bobby Hansen is correct. 12 games from 80 to 83. He was. Uh, it helped, obviously, that he was on the Final Four squad. Mm-hmm. It also helped that they played a third-place game back then. So, uh Six of his 12 were uh, early on, and then he played two each the uh, next three years. All right, so I got another one, and I'm above 500. Head above water as we come down the stretch. 
Four and three. The next one, I think you can get, but uh, not 100% confident. Who has the highest scoring average of all Hawkeyes in the NCAA tournament? The caveat is you have to have played at least three or more NCAA games. So highest per game scoring average in the tourney. Has to play at least three games. Highest scoring average. Andre Woolridge. That's a good guess. He's in the top five. The answer, B.J. Armstrong. Okay. 19.7 for B.J. He's slightly ahead of A.C. Earl at 19.3. Marble had 17.7. And then both Aaron White and Woolridge were at 17.3. So uh, when you break it down, it's pretty clear that B.J. Armstrong was the uh, the best all-around uh, statistical-wise for NCAA Hawks. Uh, Average 19.7 a game. He has the highest total points in 178. Um, also the highest in assists and steals in NCAA attorney history. So uh, one of the, uh, the most beloved talks of all time uh, also came through in the clutch in the NCAA attorney. So uh, you were close but incorrect. So four and four, four and four with two to go. All right. I, I, need to, I need to get these next two to be an All-American, I think. Okay, correct. And the next one is a tough one, Trent. I'll give you a kind of a a hint on it. Who has the most rebounds in NCAA history? Um, I'll just give you a hint. It was on that same team as BJ, but not who you'd expect it to be. So it wouldn't be Ed Horton, because that's where... My... Exactly. That's a... <sighs> Horton was the obvious answer, but it's not Horton. It's not Horton. Oh, boy. Gambled, be gone. He was only there two years anyway. Last Jepson... Keep it simple, Trent. Oh. Roy Marble? Not BJ. It is Roy Marble, correct. <laughs> Most rebounds ever had 60 rebounds in 10 games, which uh, surprisingly enough, Horton played in 10 of them and only had 52 boards, which uh, huh. surprised me. So Marble had 60, Horton had 52, third place is A.C. Earl 51, and, and Earl did his, his damage in only six games. So he has by far the, uh, the highest rebounding average. So. We'll give that one to you, but with some, some heavy uh, assistance. So five and four with the last one to go. Who, which Iowa player had the highest single-game scoring uh, in NCAA history? Scored 35 in two different games. Which individual would that be? 35 in two different games. So it isn't anybody of recent vintage. I certainly wouldn't think even. I think you got to go back to the teams we talked about earlier, the national championship teams. Well, maybe not. Nineteen seventy. Oh, Double J, John Johnson. That is incorrect. Back to the old standby, BJ Armstrong again. Really? But thirty-five against Florida State and thirty-five against Rutgers in the game that we talked about a while <laughs> back when we played uh, the mighty Scarlet Knights. So, uh, BJ uh, again. Not only was he uh, one of the most beloved Hawks, but he really stepped up when. Uh, when the Hawk needed him to. So they ended five and five, Trent, which yeah. is exactly what I predicted. I figured you'd go uh, five and five. So you're just like the Hawks. Uh, they go 10 and 10 in the Big Ten. You go five and five in the, uh, the Stat Boy NC Attorney Quiz. Well, you know what that is? That's tremendous. Yes, exactly. Absolutely tremendous. So you did tremendous, Trent. Thank at you. least according to the Fran grading scale. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Before we get out of here, Biz, we got Biz's beat in a moment, but. We do call ourselves the Degenerate Hawkeyes. We both certainly like Cincinnati laying the points in that matchup. 
Any other upsets you like? Maybe lock of the of the first round? Anything jumping off the page to you? I got a couple of upsets I like, both Northeastern over Kansas and UC Irvine, uh, Cal Irvine in their matchup. Those are the two that, that I've had circled for a while. Anything that you like? Anything that you're going to be uh, firing at this week? Yeah, there's two of them I like. And first of all, Trent, I would say I don't know if I'm quite in your corner on the uh, liking Cincinnati. But to me, that line seems very uh, Vegas nose-ish. Uh, I expected that line was going to come out higher. I figured it would be five or six, maybe even seven. And uh, it came out at four, and it's actually gone down a little bit, which, which leads me to believe that maybe they know a little more about uh, that this isn't the greatest Cincinnati team uh, as we've come to expect over the years. So if I was forced to bet on that game, I'd go with Cincinnati. But it's one that uh, probably just because I've got my, uh, my black and gold glasses on, I think I'd steer clear of that one. But the two that I like, um, watching them last night just confirmed it. I, I think Belmont uh, whoops up on Maryland. I just don't think Maryland's that great of a team. And watching Belmont last night, they, they're they're really good. I'm impressed with them. Um, and I also, uh, I know this is one that kind of everybody talks about, but I really like Yale against uh, LSU as well. The uh, Ivy League teams always do well. Yale can shoot the crap out of the ball. And, and I think similar to us, all the, the mess that's going on at LSU, um, I think that's going to catch up to that team. And so I, I, I put, put your money on Yale and Belmont, or, or if you're smart, probably fade us and put, put the money on LSU and Maryland, I guess. Hey, it's usually the way to do it. All right, with that, and speaking of uh, the Iowa-Cincinnati, we had the sportsbook director out at CG Technology in Vegas on my radio show today. He mentioned right away one of their sharpest college basketball players when they came out with the line. They had Cincinnati minus four. He grabbed the Hawkeyes plus the four, and they had to move it very quickly to a three and a half, and they've stayed there since. So a sharp guy, at least out there, is on the Hawkeyes, too. Well, good. Let's hope that sharp guy is uh, a winner. It won't be here. We're not very sharp. What we are is ready for Business Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Business Beat of the day. Okay, here's Business Beat of the day. <sighs> well, try to Tomorrow starts the, uh, the greatest month in, in sports. Uh, you get uh, March Madness, you get uh, Major League Baseball just around the corner, and then you, you follow it up with the Masters right afterwards. So uh, from, a, from a sports nerd perspective, nothing gets better than uh, what starts tomorrow. So uh, enjoy it. I know you'll be at Wells Fargo and uh, get to enjoy it live, but uh, it's a lot of fun. So it's been a few years. I know it's been kind of a... a up and down, frustrating year at times, but let's uh, let's enjoy it while it lasts, and let's hope the Hawks can end it with on a high note and get at least uh, at least one more victory, so that we can look back at this season and look at the positives and not the uh, the sideshow that's going on throughout the last month. Uh, it's great every time you get to see your team out there on the hardwood. I remember, you know, when Iowa finally made it back, and it was frustrating the way its season ended with Fran and that first team that had to go and play Tennessee and Dayton. And for my Cyclone buddies that were giving me crap, it's not a real game. It was real to me, damn it. it like the, the nerd uh, wrestling guy, it was real to me because they were out there. They were on the hardwood. I saw the NCAA emblem. And when we waited as long as we do, it was good to see. Don't take these for granted. As we've seen, I was a bad coaching hire away from very quickly becoming irrelevant in college basketball. It's fun. Enjoy it. It's Friday. Take the day off. Enjoy a cocktail or two and bring back a Hawkeye victory. Biz with that. We will be back next week either capping off this season or talking about the first six Sweet 16 team in 
20 years. I'm ready for it. Hey, uh, let's uh, go Hawks. Uh, beat the Bearcats.